Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know medical care requires informed consent, but laws require informed consent. Politics, entrepreneurship, how you engage with your diet, health, exercise, even relationships. These all require a place of being informed. And I am so sick of being called a conspiracy theorist for using my brain and being informed. So that's where this podcast came to life. This is Informed Consent. I'm your host, Brooke Brewer. Let's start talking. If it wasn't bad enough that we are giving our children two different vaccines on the day that they are born, on the second month of a child's life, we will give them eight more vaccines to vaccinate against different viruses and diseases. Eight, all by their second month birthday. In that second month checkup, we have a second dose of the hepatitis B vaccine. You have the rotavirus vaccine, the DTAP vaccine, which is vaccinating for diphtheria, tetanus, and acellular pertussis. There's the HIV vaccine, the pneumococcal vaccine, and the inactivated polio vaccine. All of these vaccines are given at the second month checkup. This week, we are going to continue moving through the CDC schedule, sharing information about the rotavirus. We are going to dive deep into the rotavirus, the vaccine, the risks, the benefits, all the things that we should be informed on by our doctors that unfortunately doesn't tend to happen. As we are doing in these next few episodes is we are going through the CDC schedule an episode by episode. I'm going to go through every single vaccine that our children are recommended to get per the CDC schedule and go over those viruses or those diseases that we're vaccinating for and really break them down to help separate that fear that we are given. That fear that if we don't vaccinate our child with, let's just say the rotavirus, they're going to get diarrhea and die. So again, this week we are going to dive into the rotavirus, but before we get into it, I want to share about one of my favorite products that I'm loving, especially leading into the summertime. Collagen is such a hot topic right now being talked about all over the social media world, influencers, and and good. Collagen is so important to you, but knowing the collagen that you're using and how it's extracted and how it's actually working with your body is so important. Collagen is a protein found in 25 to 30% of the whole body. It's present in our connected tissue, such as our skin, tendons, ligaments, gut, blood vessels, bones, and muscle tissue. It's one of the most common proteins in the body. And and unfortunately, as we age, the natural making of collagen decreases, making it even more important to include it as a supplement in our daily routine. What if I told you that there was a collagen product on the market today that also helps to melt away your fat? I have found a product that not only has patented bioidentical and bioavailable collagen, which basically means it's identical to the human body. So not only do we fully absorb it, but we recognize it. So we actually can utilize it, but it also can burn fat. Trim not only includes the daily recommended collagen hyaluronic acid matrix collagen, but it includes CLA 
which is conjugated linoleic acid. This helps to accelerate fat reduction, re reduce fat cell line, reduce fat cell formation, improves your muscle tone, boosts your metabolism, helps you burn more calories and promotes lean body composition. I don't know about you guys, but summer is right around the corner and I am working on my beach body right now. And this product has helped dramatically me help burn those fat cells, but also work on that body composition. So if you are wanting to shred some extra fat this summer, while also supporting your body's natural collagen levels, you can try the trim. I personally love the chocolate. It tastes like brownie batter. It is so good. And you can actually try it for $10 off. It's super simple to order. Go to modere.com. That's M-O-D-E-R-E.com and search for trim collagen. Again, my favorite's the chocolate. It tastes like brownie batter, but there's so many other delicious flavors that are all vegan organic, natural, gluten-free, low, low, low sugars, no artificial sugars, no artificial sweeteners, all very, very good ingredients while also tasting delicious. So again, go to modeer.com and search for trim collagen. And at checkout, use code 4842132 to save you $10 off your first order. So on the second month checkup, your child is given multiple different vaccines. In today's episode, we are just going to highlight the rotavirus. The rotavirus is one of the most common causes of severe diarrhea among children worldwide. In fact, rotavirus is actually extremely common. In fact, even according to the CDC schedule, it is so common that they state that every single child in their lifetime is going to get the rotavirus in some form and some strain of it. There are many different strains of rotavirus that can infect humans or animals, including monkeys, cows, and sheep, actually. Um, there's actually, though, five main strain that can cause more than 90% of human rotavirus infections in developed countries, such as the United States. But rotavirus strains are much more diverse in developing countries, and, and we'll talk about why that is soon. Infants younger than three months old may not develop diarrhea symptoms when they're infected with rotavirus because they have maternal antibodies transferred from their mother to protect them in the first few months of life, including through breastfeeding. But by the age of five, most children have had several rotavirus infections and have developed natural antibodies that protect them from symptoms of diarrhea when they are reinfected as they get older. In non-tropical climates, like in the United States, rotavirus infections are more likely to occur in the colder weather months than actually in the summer. The length of the rotavirus is, is approximately two days. You tend to get and go through this virus in just about two days. Primary symptoms include things like vomiting, pretty watery diarrhea for actually three to eight days. Fevers typically are present as well as abdominal pain, which does occur frequently. Immunity after the first infection is incomplete, but they do say and studies show that after repeat infections, um, that tends to be less severe than the original infection. So essentially, 
as you get this more often, you tend to have like weaker forms of them because you start to slowly build immunity. But the problem is why people and and scientists claim that there isn't full immunity from this. It's because there are so many different strains of the rotavirus and it definitely does mutate and there's many different strains. So a lot of times if you do ever get rotavirus more than once, which is very, very, very common, it's because you are getting a different strain that maybe you had in the past. According to the Harrison's principles of internal medicine, other symptoms of the rotavirus, aside from that frequent vomiting, diarrhea, and some abdominal pain, we have lethargy, children tend to not focus on you and they're less responsive in their touch and their words, less frequent urination, no tears when crying, dry, cool skin, fevers, dry or sticky mouth, and extreme thirst. How do you get rotavirus? So rotavirus is very contagious. It spreads when infants or young children come in contact with an infected person's fluids or feces or items that may have come in contact with the feces of an infected person. Most cases of rotavirus occur in ages from three months to 35 months old. The primary mode of transmission of rotavirus is the passage of the virus in stool to the mouth of another child known as fecal oral routine of transmission. The virus can live for hours on hands and even longer on hard surfaces. Places like child cares, daycares, nurseries, places like that is actually one of the most common places to pass this virus. Tend to think of, you know, daycare, you've got, you know, someone, maybe a child who had rotavirus that never really knew or that the parent didn't know. So they were in school. And then let's say the nanny is changing diapers. And that is kind of how, let's say the rotavirus gets passed through the nursery or gets brought home to the family. And then if there's other kids, so that tends to be one of the most common places where rotavirus spreads. Again, it's through those daycares, childcares, nurseries, places like that, where um, there's a lot of young children present with the potential of someone bringing it and spreading it. Normally, and, and actually most commonly, there really isn't any treatment any special treatment that is for the rotavirus. They typically say that in order to get better from rotavirus, all it takes is just rest and fluids. And and the biggest emphasis on fluids, because what happens with the rotavirus and in the severe cases of rotavirus tends to lead to dehydration. We know as we have the flu or vomiting or diarrhea in past experiences that when we are ill like that, we get dehydrated. And that is the most common danger of getting the rotavirus is that risk of dehydration. So they highly recommend that if you get the rotavirus, they are going to tell you to ride it out, rest and hydrate as best as you can. And they do also studies show that breastfed babies are much more protected, not only from rotavirus, but from severe rotavirus symptoms like dehydration. They say breast milk is somewhere around 80% water. So if you are breastfeeding your child, especially if they were to have rotavirus, that breastfed milk will help to hydrate your child while also giving those natural antibodies to your child to help them fight off that infection. 
In serious cases, again, when a child tends to get dehydrated, they can end up in the hospital and it's possible that hospitalization is necessary. And typically what they do here is they will work on rehydration and will help with IV fluids to help get that hydration in. Because again, the concern with the rotavirus is that dehydration parts. So if your child has the rotavirus, they will tell you 99% of the time to rest and hydrate. And typically, if you can get on top of that and ensure your child is not getting dehydrated, they will get over this virus in a few days. And then obviously, if you are noticing that their ch that child is not getting the hydration that they need, that is when they would recommend you go to the hospital to get that hydration from the hospital themselves. You can have rotavirus. Again, you can get multiple different strains of it. Um, especially when you get older, there's a lot of questions. Is this a newborn disease? Is this a, is this a young child disease? Or is this something that could happen in, in adulthood? And you can get rotavirus again in your late child years into adults, but it's typically a much more mild virus. There's several, several, several different strains of rotavirus, and it's estimated that all children get repeat infections with different strains in their first few years of life. However, again, when you are repeatedly getting rotavirus infections, they tend to come back milder after, and then after several infections with different strains of the virus, most children just develop natural long lasting immunity to the rotavirus. I think it's important when we talk about vaccines and the dangers and the risks and the rewards, and if they are beneficial or if they are really safe and effective, we need to talk about what life was like before the vaccine. So before the vaccine from 1992 to 1998, an average of 369 diarrhea associated deaths a year happened within the first one to 59 months of a child's life. Per year, the average was 369 deaths for a diarrhea associated death. Now, I first want to pause there and, and share that it's a diarrhea associated death. And I feel like that comes with a little bit of questions and interpretations that we need to have. What does that mean exactly? Diarrhea associated deaths. Most people will, and even most medical professionals will say that typically deaths from diarrhea come from dehydration. So I just, I wonder why it's not specifically wrote there. And I, and I will link this study in the show notes. It's just very interesting. And then if you really do the math here of the amount of children that there are between one and 59 months, and then take the 369 deaths, that is essentially giving you a 0.0019% chance of dying from a diarrhea associated death, mostly, which this is going to be dehydration. And this was before the vaccine. So the vaccine came out in the early 2000s, even just slightly before then. Um, in fact, in 1998 is when they rolled out the first rotavirus vaccine. And not that they're going to want to tell you this, but this actually got recalled. Yep. The rotavirus vaccine was recalled in 1998 
because how often it called into deception. What is into deception? So this is essentially the twisting of your gut. It's an intestinal obstruction of your gut where your gut will basically flip on itself. It will twist. And this was becoming so common when the rotavirus vaccine was first introduced in 1998 in children that they actually had to recall this vaccine. They had to take it off the market because too many children were getting into suction. A couple years later, they were able to come up with a different vaccine that didn't have as high of a intussusception rate, although it absolutely did not completely get rid of it. There still is a one in a 20,000 chance that your child will suffer the twisting or the flipping on itself of, of the gut. But that is just one of the risks that come with getting this rotavirus vaccine to protect you from a virus that Every single child is said to have by the time they're three years old and coming actually maybe even multiple times because of the different strains. And this, this vaccine is very interesting to me because it's such a common virus that the CDC states that every single person will have rotavirus in their life. And it's a virus that doesn't have any treatment protocol other than rest and recovery and stay hydrated and doesn't have much of a concern of death. And in fact, one in 1 million babies will actually die from rotavirus specifically a year. And again, with making the decision of whether we are going to vaccinate our children, we need to look at the side effects and we need to look at the risks of not only the virus itself, but of getting the vaccine. And as you guys probably have seen, there isn't much risk of getting the rotavirus vaccine and getting the rotavirus itself. Yes. Does it, is it awful that your child has horrible diarrhea and of course, is it hard when our children are sick? I, I could only imagine. I'm not a parent, but I, I could only imagine. But our children will most likely survive this. In fact, statistically, very high odds of surviving from this as long as you stay on top of their hydration, which is the biggest concern of rotavirus. And again, if you are a breastfeeding mama, you are protecting your child that much more because breastfed babies not only are able to get those fluids back into their bodies through that breast milk, but their symptoms tend to be much more mild because of those antibodies that they are getting through the breast milk from their mothers. So the vaccine itself, so the vaccine is it's actually an oral vaccine. So this is not a vaccine that is getting injected to our arms and then going directly into our bodies. It's an oral. So it's being given into the mouth. And this is also a live vaccine. So this is a vaccine that has a living virus. Therefore, with live vaccines, there is that risk of shedding. There is that risk that that individual who is being given the vaccine could potentially shed this to a different person. In fact, if we take a look at the insert 
for one of these rotavirus vaccines, 5.5 shedding and transmission. This states in the vaccine insert that transmission of vaccine virus strains from vaccines to non-vaccinated contacts have been observed post-marketing. So right here, they are basically admitting that this vaccine does shed and could be transferred to another individual, especially a non-vaccinated individual from someone who was vaccinated because it is a live virus. What also tends to happen in live viruses is sometimes our bodies actually get that virus because it's alive. And I find that so interesting because if we take a look at that vaccine insert again, the most common side effect, drum roll please, of the rotavirus vaccine is none other than diarrhea. 24% of children in a clinical study that's reported in the vaccine insert are said to have diarrhea after getting the rotavirus vaccine that was given to them in order to help them not have diarrhea, but in return, they could have diarrhea for a vaccine that's supposed to save them from diarrhea. Okay. That's interesting. Well, let's talk about the other most common symptom. The second most common symptom is none other than vomiting. So again, we are giving a rotavirus vaccine to children to protect them from the rotavirus, which has diarrhea and vomiting, but yet you can get the rotavirus vaccine and have a side effect of vomiting. But if a parent is okay with their child potentially having diarrhea for a vaccine that they are giving their child to prevent them from having diarrhea, I guess that's logic. That's good logic. Carrying on, this vaccine is usually given to you in three doses. It's usually given to you at your two-month, four-month, and six-month visits to your pediatrician. These strains are actually grown in monkey kidneys and they are genetically modified. So this is not a non-GMO product. Um, Other ingredients in this vaccine is polyosorbate 80, which is that emulsifier. You've got fetal bovine serum, viral monkey kidney cells, DNA from porcine, circio viruses, modified eagle medium, and Phenol red. Another important thing to note with this vaccine is this vaccine has to be given before 15 months because it actually can cause worse side effects if you are giving this to someone after 15 months. So this is essentially a vaccine for just babies. Again, they recommend the series to be before 15 months, which is why it's on the schedule to two, four, and six months. What we see from this rotavirus is we have about five to 10 babies a year who die from rotavirus dehydration. I want to note that no children are actually dying from the rotavirus itself. These children are dying from rotavirus dehydration. Again, that dehydration that's being caused from the endless diarrhea and vomiting and the inability to potentially get that hydration. And this, this disease especially is, is very bad in 
lower quality locations. You see places like in Africa that that don't have good sanitation, don't have good clean water and don't really have the ability and, and the easy access to hydration. You do see a lot more people dying from this um, rotavirus dehydration because it's a lot harder for them to access the fluids that they need in order to not be severely dehydrated. But in the United States, we are so much more progressed that we are are able to have easy access for fluids aside from just breast milk. We have cleaner waters. We have other good methods to help hydrate our children. And so I think that's very important to note, especially when you try to read or talk to doctors who are going to give you a perspective on a worldwide view of how dangerous this rotavirus is. I really do think it's important and they should we look directly into the United States and look at the numbers there because our numbers are so much lower than a lot of these lower quality locations because we have so much more progressed sanitation and water practices than, than some of these countries that are struggling with rotavirus being deadly. So we are giving the rotavirus vaccine for the protection of the rotavirus that you're still not necessarily guaranteed to be protected from because there are so many strains. There is hundreds of strains of this virus, and I believe there's five strains in this vaccine that they have. They essentially chose five of the most common strains. This is a very common mutated virus. Therefore, even with the vaccine, you are still probably going to get the rotavirus. According to the CDC, they state that every single child will get the rotavirus at some point in their childhood. This says nothing at all whether or not the children are vaccinated. So we are giving our child a vaccine that essentially could be protecting our child from diarrhea, but also could be giving our child diarrhea for a virus that they most likely will be still getting. A couple other things that I want to point out with this rotavirus because I feel it's very important. So I want to take a look at the vaccine insert. So going back to that vaccine insert, going to section six, specifically 6.1, where they are sharing the adverse reactions. A part of knowing the risk versus rewards on vaccines, we want to talk about the virus in itself. What are the dangers of getting this virus? What are the threats to your child? Is there a severe chance that they could die from this or have lasting health impacts if they get this virus? But then obviously we then need to say, okay, so here is our risks of getting the virus. Now, what happens if we get the vaccine? What does that mean? And so in these clinical studies, this study shows that these are not placebo. These are all controlled studies. This is very, I guess we could say some loose terms, because again, our studies that our CDC does on vaccines are still very questionable, but we have serious adverse events that occur within a 42-day period of a dose bronchiolitis, this gastroendinitis, pneumonia, fever, and urinary tract infections. Across clinical studies, 52 deaths were even reported. 
This intussusception is also very, very highly seen in studies. And yes, although is this much lower odds from that one that was released in 1998? Yes, but it is still seen and it is right there for you to read on a vaccine insert that you are supposed to go over with your doctor. We also have seizures, febrile seizures that happen that have been reported during this clinical studies. So we have a virus, which is almost completely curable on its own, mind that, where you're not even being given treatment from your doctor. They are just telling you to rest and recover and hydrate. The odds of dying from this rotavirus are extremely low, but if you are on top of that hydration part, you are that much more likely to be okay because again, these deaths from rotavirus do not come from the virus itself. It's from that dehydration. And we are most likely going to get this. Our children are most likely going to get this. So it's almost unavoidable. But let's go ahead and get a vaccine that has diarrhea and vomiting and irritability and seizures and death and insusception and pneumonia and fever listed as adverse events that come from this vaccine. A vaccine that is given potentially protects you from a virus that is so common, but so treatable in the sense that it will just run its course. Again, informed consent is so important. It's so incredibly important. And I truly feel that if you look at these risks and you look, really, truly look at the data and look at the science and ask the questions, do we really need to fear this virus? I'm going to give you a wild answer. I'm going to say no. But our doctors sadly fear monger us beyond belief and just we assume that what's on the CDC schedule is what needs to be done. And so we do it unless we ask questions and simple and to the point, this episode is just to show you that if you ask enough questions that you will see that some things aren't necessary. And again, I'm not here to tell you that you shouldn't go get the rotavirus vaccine, but what I'm here, as I always am here to do is share you the informed consent is to give you the informed consent that you deserve, that your doctor may not be giving you and help you see the perks, the risks and the rewards of the vaccine and the risks, the true risks of the rotavirus and dying from the rotavirus. And, and on top of the, the horrific side effects that can come to this vaccine, remember we are ingesting because again, this is an oral vaccine lots of questionable things because this vaccine has monkey kidney cells and fetal bovine serum, basically DNA from animals and from non-humans. And there's been a lot of confliction. There's been a lot of questions on all of this DNA from other animals does that affect our immune systems? Does that create autoimmunities? 
That's just a question that you'll have to ask. And again, it's a question that you'll need to use when you are weighing the risks and the rewards, when you are weighing the risks of whether or not you should get this vaccine or whether or not you should allow your child to be naturally immune without the vaccine to a virus that they are probably going to get no matter what you do. It's just a matter of how are you going to take care of your child? How are you going to protect your child? And how are you going to treat your child if they do, if and when they do get this virus? I think we're all smart enough to know that if dehydration is what is killing the very small odds, again, five to 10 babies a year die from dehydration from rotavirus. But if you want to stay out of that potential area, what are you going to do? Hydrate your baby and try to do as much as you can and use your motherly or fatherly instincts to hydrate your baby and make sure your baby stays hydrated. And if you feel that you cannot do that, you go to the hospital and you have the hospital help you, or you can get the rotavirus vaccine, which still doesn't necessarily mean that you're protected which also means that you could shed it to another child and give it to another child and put that child at risk. But then you still could also get diarrhea and vomiting on top of death and seizures and pneumonia and fevers and irritability. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right? Or not. Again, we have to know better to do better. And I truly feel that this one is, it's almost common sense. It's almost common sense that if you really look and if you really ask the questions, it's almost like, wow, okay, this vaccine, this was not a vaccine that I was given. And I think I did okay. I'm sure I had some diarrhea when I was a baby. I'm sure I probably had it, but I'm still standing and You don't hear people dying from rotavirus because they're not. It's so uncommon, but yet we are giving our children a vaccine for this. And it's being forced to many children, especially in states where they have to follow the CDC schedule, like California. No better do better friends ask questions the rotavirus risk and rewards for the virus and the vaccine itself. Two months, four months, six months, three doses for this vaccine. Things to think about, things to ask questions on, and things to heavily debate and consider and talk about with your partner, with your husband, with your wife, And if this is something that you want to do for your child, because remember, you have that choice. Your doctor doesn't give you that choice. You can say no, you can say yes, but you have that choice. You never are forced to do something. Next week, we are going to get into another vaccine that we vaccinate for on our second month checkup in that second month eight vaccine window. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed maybe this little shorter episode this week. What a nice little surprise. And I will see you guys next week on another part of our vaccine conversation series.